This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System L-I-V-E Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. Hope you are enjoying your early week here in November. Scott, what's going on, my man? Not much, Colin. It's a, it's a good day here. The sun is shining in North Carolina. Um, there's been some, some good basketball games over the weekend. And uh, not to uh, tease what's happening today, but we have a special guest. So all is well on my end. How about you? Yeah, all is well on my end. As you said, the sun is shining in, in North Carolina. I, I'm, a little bit, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed, Scott. Like I, You know I'm a Canadian. I'm a proud Canadian. But last week it was in the like 40s, early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And... I was reaching for sweaters, hoodies, jackets. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take You're it. Now we're, yeah, I'm in the mid-70s, and I'm happy now. I'm a happy guy. I did not move <laughs> to the south for it to be cold or for me to complain about the cold, although I shouldn't be complaining about 40-degree weather, really. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be that bad. But um, you know, happy that we're back to uh, to regular schedule program here uh, weather-wise in the southeast. Um, you could listen to this program across the NBA Global Networks, and if you've missed any portion of it, you can catch it on the podcast feed. Just type NBA Sound System wherever you get your podcast. As Scott mentioned, we have a special guest who is on the line right now joining us to talk rookies and potential rookies for next season. Our NBA.com draft expert, Mr. Kyle Irving. Kyle, what up, man? What's going on? Fired up. First day of college basketball, so both worlds are kind of colliding right now with, uh, like you said, next year's prospects, and we also get to talk about this year's pros- prospects who have looked really good. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to next year's prospects in a second because you mentioned that today is the kickoff for college basketball. I know hoop fans around the globe are, are excited about that. But let's talk about the rookies this season. And uh, I really have to start at the top with the two rookies that I think are playing the best basketball right now. I'm going to start with Scotty Barnes. Um, he has been terrific for the Toronto Raptors. There was a debate early in draft, uh, you know, draft season whether or not they should go with Scotty Barnes or Jalen Suggs. I think we could put that debate to bed at the moment if you're a Toronto Raptor fan. Scotty Barnes was absolutely the right pick. Masai Ujiri and the crew there, Bobby Webster, knocked it out of the park. And uh, he's been the best rookie to this point, arguably. I'll say that. Actually, I'll say arguably. To this point, he leads rookies in scoring at 16.6 points per game, uh, rebounding at a high clip, leading rookies in that as well at 8.7 rebounds. Uh, He just looks poised out there. What what have you seen from Scotty Barnes so far that has impressed you? I think poised is a good word to use for Scotty Barnes. But I think for me, the thing that's surprised me the most in just in terms of his development and him becoming a solid NBA player faster than I expected him to is just how aggressive he's been on offense. His confidence level is through the roof. And I think that's something that, you know, people kind of expected from Scotty Barnes going into the NBA because everyone always talked about this contagious energy and, you know, how he's always playing at a high level. He always has a way to elevate his teammates around him. But for me, I mean, this is a guy who came off the bench in college. He was ACC sixth man of the year last year. Um, but he only took eight shot attempts per game. And here we are. He's, you know, almost 10 games through his rookie season. He's averaging almost 14 shot attempts per game. Like you said, he's leading all rookies in scoring, 16.6 points. And I just don't think anybody could have expected that. And when you watch him play, it's not just, you know, him 
uh, kind of just grabbing offensive rebounds for putbacks, which we saw him do at the college level to kind of tally some points. It's, he's creating for himself off the dribble. He's attacking the lane with a lot of aggression. He's not afraid of contact around the rim. He uses his length and athleticism really well to finish at the basket. And I feel like, you know, even his jump shot, which was his biggest area of concern coming into the NBA, even if it's not completely polished the way that he would want it to be, he's at least showing the confidence and willingness to take shots not even just from three-point range, but also like pull-up shots from mid-range off the dribble. And these are type, types of things that I really don't think we saw from him in his one year at Florida State. I mean, maybe he was driving the lane and getting layups to go because he was just more athletic and bigger than everybody else on the floor. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't expecting him to be doing that at the NBA level this fast. And I think when you look at you know, how has he been as good as he has been to start his rookie season, I think his aggression on the offensive end is the first area that I would look at. And what about the rest of his game? Because I know going into the drafts, you know, a lot was made about his versatility on both ends of the court. Um, and actually, the, the Beeble Index, which is a great site for stats, has him as the, the second most versatile defender in the league right now, behind only J- Jalen McDaniels. Um, that doesn't alone necessarily mean that he's a fantastic defender, but he's already proven to be someone who can defend pretty much every single position on a given night, which makes him fit a perfect fit for this Raptors team. Um, but also, like, his assist totals, I think, aren't as high as some may have expected to be. Um, but, I mean, you followed him through college. He, he's a fantastic passer, right? And that's something we could kind of see more of throughout his rookie season, but especially the rest of his career. I think so. And I think we kind of saw that in the seven assist game that he had against the Pacers, where, like, he's making these passes that you don't usually see rookie forwards making. Um, but he hasn't really been asked to be the point guard that he played uh, at Florida State. And I think, you know, that's a combination of just Fred Van Vliet's kind of transition to that point guard role um, and just the fact that they have multiple ball handlers because a lot of the guys on the Raptors are very versatile, like you said. But I think that's kind of – it buys into why they took Scotty Barnes where they did at number four overall over someone like Jalen Suggs because, you know, a Nick Nurse defense is kind of praised on versatility. And Scotty Barnes gives you exactly that. And, you know, you said he's the number two in terms of uh, – the basketball index number two in terms of – Uh, versatility just guarding multiple positions and I think that we're just going to see that become you know even more valuable to the Raptors now that Pascal Siakam's back in the lineup because you know the Raptors were starting Kem Birch or they were you know starting Precious Achua and those are the types of guys that you know they're more traditional not necessarily Achua but Kem Birch more of a traditional center where now if Nurse is going to go to a smaller lineup where it's going to be Siakam and Barnes and Ananobi we're going to start to see Scotty Barnes' versatility shine through even more if he's defending, you know, centers on some possessions or he's defending guards on other possessions off of switches. So, you know, he's been extremely versatile as a defender, and that was something we expected. He has, you know, over a seven-foot wingspan. Uh, he's standing in at about six foot eight, six foot nine. He's really big, uh, really long, really strong, really athletic, and I think we're going to start to see him now playing in a front court alongside two guys who aren't necessarily, you know, centers by any means we're going to start to see him defend multiple positions at a higher level because that's what's going to have to be asked from him if they're going to be able to run that essentially small ball lineup. So, Colin, you said, arguably, that Bonds was the best rookie so far. I'm assuming, I um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm assuming you were talking about Evan Mobley as the other part of that equation. I was. Um, He's been absolutely fantastic on both ends of the court, I think, so far to start the season. Um, Kyle, what have you seen from him? And are you kind of surprised by how quickly he's been able to impact the game? I think, like, just the way that he can defend, again, like, talk about versatility and how important that is in today's NBA. Evan Mobley's already showing that. But for me, what's impressed me the most is how fast he's been able to score at the NBA level. 
I think, you know, the defense was something that he was always going to thrive with because, you know, he does have that long wingspan. Uh, his foot speed was always there to step out onto the perimeter and guard guys, uh, whether it be off of switches on pick and rolls or just voluntarily. I mean, the, the Cavs are playing with a lot of lineups with a lot of big guys, and he's playing alongside Jared Allen. So he's not just going to be sitting underneath the basket and protecting the rim. And I feel like we've already seen that side of Evan Mobley, but the fact that he's averaging almost 15 points per game, uh, shooting very efficiently is what surprised me. I mean, he's not exactly like a physical specimen, but he plays physical. He doesn't shy away from contact either. And he's really shown a willingness to kind of take those little like, you know, hook shots or, or even just like pull up jumpers in the lane. And those are kind of the soft spots in NBA defenses, like they're going to give you those type of shots, but he's also, you know, been awesome crashing the offensive glass and just creating extra possessions for the Cavaliers. Uh, there was actually a stat that I pulled up right before we jumped on this because when I looked at Evan Mobley's averages, uh, he's averaging 14.9 points. If we round that up to 15 points, let's say he's averaging 15 points, eight rebounds, over two assists, and over a block and a steal, that puts him on a list of him, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, and Carl Anthony Towns as the only players in the NBA right now that are averaging wow. 15, 8, over 2 assists, and a block and a steal per game. So that's pretty impressive company for a rookie. Um, and I think the Cavaliers got a good one. Like LeBron James said, they got a good one over in Cleveland. Yeah, you just named like all my favorite players. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed that it's... too when I pulled that up. Yeah, he's it's it's been really exciting to watch him so far. Um, and since we did say, Colin said arguably, I feel like it's only fair to put you on the spot. Um, long season to go, obviously, we're only about 10 games in. But out of the two, who do you think you'd have number one right now? I really would have Scotty Barnes. Like, as impressive as Evan Mobley's been, it just seems like Scotty Barnes has been so crucial to the Raptors' successful start. And I'm not saying that Mobley hasn't been for Cleveland as well, but... I mean, Jared Allen's playing really well before he got hurt. Colin Sexton was filling it up. Darius Garland has been awesome. And I'm not saying that players on the route, I mean, obviously guys like Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. have been stepping up. OG's having the breakout season we all expected. But it just seems like Scotty Barnes has been so crucial to the Raptors' hot start to the season and then becoming one of the best defensive teams in the league again. So I would say just because he's filling a role of, I mean, he was filling a void of an all-star forward that was sidelined for the first 10 games of the season. So mm -hmm. in Pascal Siakam, I should, I should add. Um, but I think just, you know, stepping into that role seamlessly and succeeding the way that he did to start the year, I feel like I'm going to give the edge to Scotty Barnes to, you know, through the first three or so, four weeks of the season. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with either of those two guys so far anyway. It's uh, only been 10 games for each of those two. Um, it's only been four games now for Cade Cunningham because he missed the start of the season with injury. But since being on the floor, I, I watched the game against uh, Brooklyn, the Detroit Pistons game against Brooklyn on, uh, I believe it was Friday night. Um, that was really my first taste of Cade in the NBA. Um, I saw some flashes of a guy that is, again, to use the word once again, poised uh, on, the, on the court. Um, hasn't found his shot at all. Uh, he, he is, he's not able to hit anything. Uh, it could be a hula hoop up there. I don't think he would hit. But outside of that, what have you seen from Kate Cunningham that would give you at least some uh, encouragement that he's going to find his way in the league? I think the thing with Cade is that he still looks like, I don't know if I would say a full step slow to me, but a half step slow to me compared to what we saw in college. Um, he's still like embracing the physicality because he is a bigger body for a point guard, uh, just kind of attacking the rim. Like we saw him take KD off the dribble the other night, finish with contact. And like that was the first play that I had really seen uh, the Oklahoma State version of Cade Cunningham that got everybody so excited about him 
as an NBA prospect, but there is part of me that also feels like he's kind of pressing. Like he had a little bit, I mean, he's the number one pick. He's obviously going to have pressure on him, but the fact that his debut came a couple weeks after everybody else. So all eyes were on him. He's playing on a bum ankle, which again, like it seems like that's really affecting his burst because we're not seeing the same level of, you know, explosiveness that we saw from him in college. Um, I, and I just feel like because of that, it just maybe it's just throwing everything off a little bit. I mean, shots that he was finishing in the paint in college, I feel like he's trying to get all the way to the rim and he's not finishing at the basket. Uh, like we haven't really seen many of the step backs that was in his bag in college that, you know, made us so excited about him as a pro because that's an extremely polished move that we see, you know, some of the best players in the league uh, it takes them a while to accomplish that and knock it down successfully at the professional level. And Cade was already doing it at the collegiate level. And it seemed like that should have translated and that hasn't yet. So I feel like with him, he's still kind of trying to get his sea legs under him. I feel like he's trying to get his feet wet. Uh, it has been, you know, a tough start to the season because he's still playing on that bum ankle. And, uh, you know, I mean, shooting less than 30% from the field, he's not even shooting 20% from three. So it's been kind of a tough start for the rookie, but I still feel like defensively he's making a lot of hustle plays. He's still putting his body out there. And that was something that, you know, got people excited about him going into the draft. The fact that he is a two-way player, he can defend at a high level. I just feel like that right now, it just doesn't seem like he's going at a hundred percent, even though he's back on the court. Last year going into the draft, we, we were looking at a, I guess a Mount Rushmore of the top four picks with, uh, you know, it was Kate Cunningham, you heard Jalen Green, you heard uh, you heard Evan Mobley, and the fourth name you often heard in that list was Jalen Suggs, and he had a terrific march, um, you know, really got on the map with that big shot, became really a household name uh, by getting his team uh, beyond the Final Four, getting into the finals, they were shut down by Baylor, but everyone kind of felt that he had that, you know, that prime time player aspect to his game, uh, I'm talking about Jalen Suggs, of course. And we still haven't seen that in the NBA so far. He's really struggled uh, for the Orlando Magic. Is is this what we are getting out of Jalen Suggs? Is he going to be a bust, or or should we just relax a little bit and give him some time? I think you got to relax a little bit and give him some time. I mean, he's still a 19-year-old just like everybody, just like most of the rookies in this rookie class, and it's going to take him some time to develop. But for me, I think the biggest thing for Jalen Suggs' is slow start, I mean, aside from – so there were concerns about how consistently can he knock down a jump shot. And I feel like we're kind of seeing that come to fruition immediately because defenders are just kind of sagging off of him and letting him shoot. Um, but I also don't think that we've really seen him knock down that floater that he got so accustomed to knocking down uh, at the college level. I feel like he hasn't really gotten into that yet. He's, he's settling too much on pull-ups. And I also think from three-point range, it doesn't necessarily seem like he's found his touch from the NBA three-point line either. Um, but where, where Jalen Suggs is so great is, you know, as a facilitator in transition. Uh, just making other players better, you know, even though he was, you know, by far the best NBA prospect on that team last year, it was Corey Kispert that won uh, their conference player of the year because Jalen Suggs is more of a distributor than he is looking for his own shot. It's how can I set up my teammates first and then figure it out for myself. And I feel like, you know, it's hard to say his teammate is stunting his growth because it's so early in the season, but Cole Anthony is doing so much at a high level for the magic right now. Uh, really running point guard, and in, in he's the floor general of that offense. And I don't think that that was the expectation, at least like among draft evaluators and, and myself. I, I expected Jalen Suggs to get the keys to that offense and run with it. And it hasn't necessarily been the case that, uh, in Orlando so far. So, you know, I think the combination of him just trying to figure out 
all right, how can I get to my spots on the floor and get to that floater that he was so successful with in college or get all the way to the rim instead of settling for mid-range pull-ups? Um, and also just how can I, you know, affect my teammates around me, even though the ball isn't always in my hands the way that I'm accustomed to. Um, I think those are two things that Jalen Suggs can really improve on. And he's also just going to have to learn to play off ball if Cole Anthony's going to continue playing at the level that he is because he's been ridiculous this year. And I don't see, you know, a real changing of the guards happening anytime soon in Orlando, at least during Jalen Suggs' rookie season. The fact that Corey Kispert was able to win an award over him on the same team uh, leads me to believe that I should have seen this coming. There's no way that Corey Kispert at any point in time should have uh, an award over anyone that we deem a top five pick in the NBA. But Kyle knows that I'm not a big fan of Corey Kispert. Uh, for those of you listening out there, we went back and forth on Slack many times. I don't think Corey Kispert can play in the NBA. And so far, I'm not wrong. Um, let's let's talk about some guys that are playing right now uh, and playing well because there are a handful of rookies that we didn't talk about coming into this draft that are showing up big time for their team. If we want to stick with Orlando, Franz Wagner is playing really well for for the Magic, even better better than his brother Mo. Um, Josh Giddy has had some moments. Davion Mitchell on the defensive end has been incredible. Has there been one rookie to you that has stand stood out above the rest that we haven't spoken about so far? I mean, I, it would have been Josh Giddy, but since you gave him a little bit of a shout-out right there, I got to go with Chris Duarte. And I think, like, you know, he was the oldest prospect in this draft, uh, almost by a long shot, uh, just because, you know, he went to a JUCO before he went to Oregon and then, uh, you know, played a couple years at Oregon. And, and now we're seeing him step into a starting role for the Indiana Pacers, who have been struggling, but he's been playing really well. He's averaging 16 points. He's just under Scotty Barnes for the most in his class. He's shooting efficiently, 44% from the field, 42% from three. And he's doing a little bit of everything to stuff the statue. Like he's got, he's, he's pulling down some rebounds. He's dishing out some assists. He's coming up with steals. Like this is a guy that the Pacers drafted uh, a little bit earlier than people may have expected, but he's come in and stepped in and made an immediate impact. And I do think that, you know, in this one and done era, where it seems like all the players that are drafted are 18 going on 19 or 19 going on 20, it doesn't hurt every now and then to take a swing on an established prospect because, you know, there's not as much uncertainty. Um, there's not as much of a feel it out phase in the NBA. And I think we're seeing Chris Duarte, who's 24 years old, come into a starting role on a team that really desperately needed it with TJ Warren out with uh, Karis LeVert out to start the season, even though he's back now. Um, and they still have Duarte in the starting lineup, even though he's returned. So, I feel like he's someone that, you know, I was kind of high on him as, as maybe like, a, let's say like anywhere outside of the lottery from 15 to 20 range. I was really high on him as a steal. But when the Pacers took him in the lottery, I was a little bit surprised. And now, I mean, he's just stepping into a starting role, knocking down shots. He had a, a massive opening night. And I thought, you know, maybe that would be a little bit of a fluke. And it hasn't been whatsoever. I mean, he's been as solid as can be for them. So I would say that Chris Duarte is the one that, has surprised me the most just in terms of, you know, he's, he's stepping into a big role right away, a bigger role than I may have expected, and he's succeeding in that role. On the other end, I know we've already talked about Cade Cunningham um, and Jalen Suggs. I don't know if we want to call it a disappointment, but is there any other... We do. Rookie? We do. We, we, we do? We okay. Can, yeah. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is. All right. Outside of those two, is there any other rookie that you, you've been a little disappointed by um, so far through the first kind of three weeks of the season? Well, there's one name that we haven't brought up yet, and he was my pick for Rookie of the Year. But I don't know if I want to call Jalen Green a disappointment to this point, but I will say that he has not translated his game to the NBA as fast as I thought he would. Like, he is as athletic as it gets. He can jump through the gym at the stop of a dime. I mean, he is like, 
he's got springs in his legs and he's extremely explosive and he does a great job of creating his own shot. He's got the step backs. He's got the floaters. He can finish around the rim. Like he does all of these things uh, at such a high level offensively. And he had just played a professional season last year with the G league Ignite. So I really thought that all of those things combined uh, along with the role that he was going to play with the Houston Rockets. I really thought that he was just going to step into the NBA and thrive right away. I had said that I thought he could average, you know, close to over 20, 20 points per game as a rookie. I thought, you know, maybe he gets even 25 points per game as a rookie just because I expected him to have such a high usage rate in Houston. And so far it hasn't necessarily been that. I mean, I think a lot of it is he's seeing opposing, opposing teams, best defenders uh, very early on in his career, just because Houston doesn't have many other options. Um, but I also think that, you know, he still has that iffy shot selection that we did see in his one G league season. Um, I think that sometimes maybe he goes for the highlight play when he can make a simple read. I think he's looking for his own shot too much and he could do a better job of trying to find his teammates. So I think those are things that, you know, he, as he settles in, as he settles in and he lets the game come to him, I think that he's going to improve in those areas. But I think as of right now, we're just seeing him press a little bit. I think we're seeing him force up some shots. He's trying to put up big numbers. I think he, it, it really is a case for him where he wants to win rookie of the year. I think that's something that's significant to him because, I mean, you got to realize that Houston's not making the playoffs. I think he does want to prove, you know, that he's better than Kate Cunningham. That's something that he had talked about and they have a matchup coming up uh, this week on ESPN, I believe. So, I mean, all eyes are going to be on the number one, number two pick. Neither of them have played very well to this point. I do think that they're both eventually going to get to a point in the rookie season where we realize why they went number one and number two. But I think as of right now, Jalen Green would be, I guess, if you want to call it a disappointment, uh, my disappointment just because I expected him to jump in to the NBA and play at a high level right away. Yeah, that, as you mentioned, that game uh, between the Pistons and the Rockets is on ESPN. The most excited guys I've ever been for a game between a one and eight team and a one and nine team um, this early in the season. Uh, that, that's coming up on ESPN on Wednesday night. Uh, I will get excited for one guy that's going to be playing in that game, which we did not mention. Uh, who's leading all rookies in steals, by the way? My man Alperun Shangun, who uh, who's getting about twenty minutes per game and is just real throwback, a bruiser that can get down low and score. And another name that I think we should just give a shout out to quickly: Delano Banton has been uh, an interesting prospect. For for the Toronto Raptors, I'll say that. I, I don't know if he's been great or, or good or bad. He's just been fun to watch every time he uh, he gets on the court. Um, college basketball starting tonight, Kyle. Uh, tonight, as we, as we uh, air this episode on Tuesday, if you're listening to the podcast, you, you probably already have seen the results from the uh, Champions Classic. Um, your mock draft went out over uh, on Sporting News, our, our friends at the Sporting News, 2022 mock draft, and the number one overall pick, According to you, is Paulo Benchero. Um, man, before we got on this this show, I, I went and watched. Uh, I was in a YouTube rabbit hole watching Paulo go to work. And Scott, I know you don't get too excited about rookies. You're normally pretty tempered. This dude, I, I'm ready to say that he would have been a top five pick in this draft that we just went by if he was eligible. 6'10, uh, you know, almost 240. The dude is electric and i really think that he's going to be the number one overall pick throughout the year you you obviously have him at number one right now do you see anyone coming close to paulo this season i really don't and i think like chet holmgren is such a unique prospect i mean he's 
seven feet tall and he handles the ball like Kevin Durant can, like obviously not at that level, but that's just what it reminds you of seeing someone that big handle the ball that he does the way that he does and the way that he can score in the perimeter. But I just don't think that he is going to overtake Paolo Benchero as the number one prospect in this class. Carlin, I don't know if you got the same kind of feel when you were watching him, but he reminds me of like a John Collins that can create his own shot. Like he's just powerful and explosive and he, can you know knock down threes from the perimeter but he's also comfortable driving the lane and just putting you on a poster if you're standing between him and the rim and I think that this Duke team is going to be a lot better than last year's Duke team which isn't really saying much but I think that we're really going to get to see him in the spotlight especially during Coach K's last year where Duke is going to be in the spotlight a lot I think that last year you know with Cade Cunningham it felt like people didn't really see him a lot until the NCAA tournament. And he actually didn't have a great NCAA tournament. Uh, the first time that a lot of people saw him play, but I think with Paolo Benchero, Duke's going to be in the spotlight a lot this year. People are going to get to get real comfortable with this prospect. And I think that they're going to see exactly what you and I saw or, or see currently that he is just extremely, extremely talented. Like you said, six foot 10, 235 pounds. He's a grown man already. And he's only 18 years old as a freshman extremely powerful i mean he's switch, he has the switchability on the perimeter that every uh nba gm and scout is going to look for in a forward i just feel like he is to me for sure the runaway number one prospect before the season's even started i i was i, I like the john collins comparison i don't know what i would have put for him as a as a comp like i was i was originally i was thinking joe johnson but he's even like six inches taller than joe johnson probably even bigger than him like I, I don't know what and more explosive than Joe Johnson. Like I, I, I don't think that there is a comp out there that just you could immediately make unless you're 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 kind of bringing two players together because he's so big, so strong, has the handle, can you know could play on the perimeter and inside. I, I don't know if there is a comp. Maybe he's maybe he's just him. <laughs> and that's always you know that's obviously always the case too. And that's I'm sure that's probably the answer that he would give. Uh, any evaluator oh who do you think your player comparison is I'm Paolo, I'm the only Paulo Benchero so I feel like you know we might hear him drop that line at some point this year but he is going to be extremely extremely fun to watch and I think that game tonight is going to be electric because there are some other prospects in that game as well whether it be his Duke teammates or players on Kentucky but I think we're in for a good one tonight and you've ahead of tonight's games um, put together your first mock draft over on Sporting News uh, for the 22 NBA 2022 NBA draft uh, one name that is missing is Imani Bates, um, which I think you know a lot of people are going to be confused by throughout the season when they don't see his name on mock drafts. Can you kind of speak a little bit about his situation? Yeah, so Imani Bates is uh, one of the most talented prospects that are, is going to be coming out of whether it be you know this year's draft if the NBA changes the rule, which it doesn't really seem like they're going to be changing the eligibility rule because there hasn't been any update on that in a couple of years. So really, people are going to have to wait until 2023 to see Imani Bates who. You know, he gets Kevin Durant comparisons, even though I just said that for Chet Holmgren. He gets Kevin Durant comparisons for just being, you know, a slender six foot eight forward who really does all of his scoring from the perimeter. He has a lethal pull up jumper, but, you know, if you're standing in between him and the rim, he'll put you on a poster as well, kind of like I just said for Paolo Benchero. But uh, unfor unfortunately for Amoni Bates, who is the number one prospect in the high school class of 2022, he elected to reclassify to the high school class of 2021 and uh he originally committed to michigan state to play under tom Izzo, but changed his mind decommitted now he's playing at memphis under penny hardaway alongside his teammate jalen duran who is a projected top five pick this year he's a monster as a center he reminds me of like dwight howard realistically um and memphis is going to be one of the best teams in the country so you're going to get to see plenty of Lonnie bates play 
Um, he was a Sporting News preseason second-team All-American. He's extremely talented, and you're going to wonder why you're not seeing this guy's name on mock drafts, and that's because the NBA's eligibility rule states that you have to turn 19 in the calendar year that you get drafted. And unfortunately for Amoni Bates, he's only 17 years old right now. His birthday is in January, so he'll turn 18 years old in 2022, which means he will not be 19 until 2023. So he has two options. He either plays two years at Memphis, which, you know, in college basketball, we're not used to seeing players stick around for more than one year if they have the talent that Amoni Bates has. Or alternatively, he could just play one year at Memphis and then take his second year off to strictly train for the NBA and then get drafted in 2023. But unless there's a rule change that comes before the end of the season, one of the best players in the country, and if you're watching college basketball, one of the most talented players you'll see on an NCAA floor this year will not be draft eligible until 2023. I was going through your mock, and I, and I was getting excited by some of the names that I've seen on this mock draft here uh, for 2022 because I, I've heard these names before. It feels like I've heard uh, of Chet Holmgren. It feels like I've heard Jalen Durant. It feels like I've heard Jaden Hardy. Um, who are you most excited to actually get a chance to see on the court? I know they've, they've played some preseason games, some of them have, but who are you most excited to see on the court and, and see how they grow throughout the year? I think one player that isn't getting talked enough about in this year's uh, draft class is Peyton Watson out of UCLA. Like, I watch him play, and he just glides. Like, there's no other way to really describe his game than he's just like a smooth, effortless scorer. It actually kind of reminds me of Jason Tatum a little bit, and I feel like you know, he's going to be on a UCLA team that made what was a Cinderella run last year from the first four to the final four. But they brought just about everybody back from that team, and they're going to be absolutely loaded this year. They're going to be one of the best teams in the country. They're going to be in the spotlight a lot. And Peyton Watson was one of the best players in his high school, cra- high school class. Uh, he's an 18-year-old freshman this year. He was a number 12-ranked prospect in a very talented recruiting class. And I feel like he's not getting as much attention as the Chet Holmgrens and the Jalen Durans and the Paolo Bencheros, and I feel like he should be. Um, I mean, that team's going to be in the spotlight a lot this year. They're, like I said, they're going to be one of the best teams in the country fighting for a national championship. And I think that we're really going to see that Peyton Watson is the type of player that you know, could work his way from – I mean, I had him at number seven on my mock draft, and that was higher than most people have, them, have him on their mock drafts to this point in the season. But I wouldn't even be surprised if he could work his, his way into the top five by – the end of the season just as you know kind of a player that's going to be playing around around more talent than a lot of these top prospects will be um and he's going to have his opportunity to step in as a lead scorer right away uh, as an 18 year old freshman so he's someone that i'm excited about but i mean you talked about um Jaden hardy who's going to be playing in the g league so really unless you're tuning into g league games you're not going to get to see a lot of him um but he's an unbelievable shot creator as well an explosive guard that I really like in this class. And then you talked about Chet Holmgren, who is really just kind of a, a seven foot outlier uh, because, you know, you look at him in his slender frame and just, you know, his ability to handle the ball on the perimeter. He really does play more uh, outside in than inside out for a seven footer. And Gonzaga is going to be really, really talented again this year. And like you said, that's a name that I think people are pretty familiar with just mm-hmm. because you've seen the clips, whether it be on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter. Um, but we haven't really got to see him play at a high level um, outside of, you know, maybe like with Team USA uh, at U19s. But really, I mean, he just seems like he's a player that people are going to count him out. Oh, there's no way that someone that thin is going to do any damage uh, at the NBA level. And I think people are going to realize that his level of competitiveness and his toughness and 
and just physicality for someone that's under 200 pounds at seven feet tall, uh, I think it's going to catch people by surprise and they're, they're going to realize real fast that he really is an NBA prospect. There's really so many storylines in this year's uh, draft class. We can talk about uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who's playing at Milwaukee because his, uh, I think his pops played there. Uh, Caleb Houston, a Canadian who is uh, highly touted going to Michigan. Uh, Benedict Mathurin coming back for a second year in Arizona. And the list goes on and on. Dyson Daniels, who had a nice uh, debut for the, uh, the G League at night, the Australian kid who uh, was at the NBA Academy over there. There are so many names uh, in this year's draft that I think a lot of people uh, will come to know as we get closer to March and closer to draft season. And of course, Kyle will be along for the ride to break things down on NBA.com. You could follow his coverage over there throughout the entire year. Uh, and we appreciate you, Kyle, for coming on with us, breaking down some rookies and, and talking through this year's mock draft 2022. You can catch it over our friends uh, over at the Sporting News. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Kyle Irving, the man himself, draft expert for NBA.com and the Sporting News, coming through and uh, breaking things down for us here, Scott. Um, a reminder, if you missed any part of the episode, you can catch it in its entirety wherever you get your podcast. Just type in NBA Sound System. And uh, while you're there, do us a favor. We haven't said this in a while, but uh, rate us five stars. Helps us out a ton. Helps us get to more people. Uh, leave a review as well. Um, that just big help for us as we continue to grow and uh, find new listeners around the world. Uh, for those of you listening on the NBA Global Networks, you can also head on to the podcast and like us there. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Scott, uh, anything you took away from that uh, conversation with Kyle? Is, is something that stuck out? I know you're not a huge college basketball guy. You're, you're one of those NBA uh, writers that like to wait and see them in the NBA before you make a decision <laughs> on what they are. But um, I'm excited, man. This Paulo Banchero kid really has me excited. Yeah, I'm an NBA lifer. I, I feel like I, I spend too much time just watching the NBA that I don't have time for college basketball. Um, so this is my first time kind of, you know, watching the Cade Cunninghams, the uh, the Jalen Greens and all that. But uh, I mean, Kyle makes it sound like this is a very exciting draft class and there's a lot of unique talents. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the way that the NBA is trending, we've seen so many different types of players um, over the last few years, and it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. So it, it does seem like it's going to be another exciting class to kind of, you know, get hyped for, cover, um, and then, you know me, I'll be, uh, I'll be getting my first taste of them next year probably. Yeah, I, I really took away the fact that he made a point to shout out Peyton Watson at UCLA. That's the second person today that has shouted out Peyton Watson, so I'm going to keep my eye on him. And that's a really talented UCLA team that should win a lot of games and potentially challenge for a national championship uh, this season. All right, Scott, let's uh, let's get out of here and uh, get to... Uh to studying this mock draft so we're ready for next year <laughs> picking kyle's brain as we were and uh enjoying the rookies as we said uh, a good chance to catch Jaden uh jalen green rather and uh, kate cunningham on espn tomorrow as kyle said that's uh, a matchup that i think both of them will be motivated for and it's probably the only time you could get to see them on on a national tv game this season with their teams the way that they are at the moment good chance to uh highlight the league's uh future we'll call it as uh, as we get ready to uh continue to celebrate the 75th anniversary that this uh this league is currently in for scott rafferty i am carlin gay we will see you next week right here on nba sound system 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific across the nba global networks